Hello and welcome to The Student Space, a podcast for students about high school, life after school and how to actually be an adult. In this episode, I chat with Kim from Roadmap Education and we discuss what an ATAR is, how it's calculated, scaling and some common misconceptions. We also unpack university courses and tips for Year 12 students around preferences. Enjoy! Before we jump into the chat, I want to respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording this podcast and pay my respects to the elders past and present of the Rwandri people of the Kulon Nations. Well, let's get started. Thank you so much, Kim, for joining us on The Student Space. Before we deep dive into our chat, could you just tell us a little about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a teacher. I've been a teacher since 2006. Um, I've taught uh, lots of maths and a little bit of commerce um, and I've been a qualified careers practitioner since 2011. And in my business, Roadmap Education, I help students work out what they want to do when they finish school so they can be less stressed about exams and more excited about their future. So My theory is lots of students spend a lot of time um, working really hard and trying their best on their sacks and their exams and everything. But at the end of the day, I kind of think, what's the point of working so hard if you don't actually know what you want to do and don't end up in a course and career that you really love? Um, And so what I'd like to do is switch that all around and say, well, if we look at the career planning first, We work out what you want to do. We work out lots of ways to get there so that you can take some of that pressure off um, and then you can enjoy year 12 and still, you know, work hard and hopefully do well, but you've got a really clear aim at the end of it. So that's, that's what I'm all about. Love it. Um, It's funny. You did commerce and maths. That is totally my learning areas as well. I know I've seen that. And um, when I, when I saw that, I'm like, Oh, you know, we're, (laughs) we're, um, you know, we're spirit animals. (laughs) We've got all that sorted. So um, yeah, I'm really interested to, to hear more about your story as well um, when we do our interview later. Um, But yeah, you'll, you'll hear mine now. So that's exciting. Definitely. And how about a brief overview of your schooling experience? Let's say, what was your favorite subject in high school? And when you were in school, what did you want to do? after year 12? So my favourite subject was maths all the way through. Um, Loved it, loved it, loved it. Did methods and specialist in year 12. Um, I guess I was a little bit different to a lot of students though, because I did physics and chemistry as well. And um, everyone, I felt like everyone really liked the science and the maths kind of backed that up. Whereas I was the opposite. I really loved the maths and actually didn't really enjoy science so much. Um, so in terms of what I wanted to do, it was actually really, really difficult for me to work out. I think earlier in high school, I'd wanted to be a teacher, but I had kind of been talked out of that by a few people. Um, and so then when it got towards the end of year 12 and I had to make a decision, I was really confused and I was expected to do well. So I had lots of people saying things to me like, you can do anything you want. And I found that actually really confronting because I felt like there was that pressure to use up my ATAR, if that makes sense. Um, And so, yeah, I actually, I I ended up doing commerce law at um, Melbourne Uni for a couple of years before I went back to teaching. Um, But yeah, it was, I was so confused about what I wanted to do. That's absolutely crazy. I feel that the pressures that you felt, a lot of students are feeling as 
yep, I'm going to get this really high ATAR and I have to maximize it. It's like, I have to, like you've said, cash in on it. And I know we will discuss this later, but if anything, you do have to follow your passion and it doesn't matter what the ATAR number is. Yes. And I feel like that's, it's one of those things that's really easy to say with the benefit of hindsight, but when you're in the moment, it's so hard not to fall into that trap of going, oh, but I could do anything, you know, maybe I should try this or try that um, instead of actually listening to your gut and going with what you actually really want to do. Totally. Now we've mentioned ATAR a lot. Can you tell us what on earth is an ATAR and what's the point of it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, ATAR actually stands for Australian Tertiary Admission Rank. And the reason why I like to point that out is because it actually does tell you a lot about what it actually is. So uh, most students will know that it's a rank, not a score. But even so, I still feel like lots of students and lots of parents fall into the trap of thinking that it's that it is like a score. So if they've got, you know, if a student's got 90%, average you know throughout schools throughout high school they kind of expect they'll get a 98 R, and that's just not how it works at all so if somebody gets an 8 R of 90 it means that they're in the top 10 percent of the state um and so that that's that's kind of how the ranking part works the entire reason that it's there is for tertiary admission so it's there for to have a really efficient way of universities and tastes to get students into their courses. Um, and I want to stress that that word efficient. Um, I don't think it's a very good way. And I think that lots of teachers would, would <laughs> back me up on that. But it is a really efficient way because, you know, it, it all just goes off to VTAC. They work out what the ATAR is and then you can go through that system and lots of offers get rolled out. We're really lucky that we're moving towards more of a system where there's different selection criteria like interviews and folios and things like that, which are actually a much better way of getting the right students into courses, which is better for everyone. Um, It's better for students. It's actually better for the tertiary institutions as well, because then they don't have to spend lots of money, you know, helping students get into the right courses and, you know, re-advertising when students drop out and stuff like that. Um, but for the moment, the ATAR is is where it's at and we kind of have to work within that system while it's there. Absolutely. So right. And just reiterating, some people or a common misconception perhaps is it's not possible to get 100 ADA because that is not a thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so the highest you can get is 99.95 and that means you're in the top 0.05% of the state. Um, you know, which is why, you know, you usually see in the newspaper and things, there's maybe, you know, 20 students per year that get that highest, highest ranking. Yep. Gotcha. And how is the ATAR calculated? So it's calculated from, there's like a complex, you know, algorithm that happens in the background, but basically um, you do your subjects Um, and you get a study score for each of your subjects. Your study score is um, a ranking as well, and it all goes on a lovely bell curve, which I know you're a maths person, so (laughs) you understand how that works as well, um, with the average being about 30. And so what happens is your your study scores get put together, the top four, one of them has to be an English that you do, so English or literature or English language um, or EAL. And... 
and then the next best three, they get put together. You get um, a little bit of the other ones that you that you do, or the next two if you do end up doing six BCE subjects, um, and it all gets mashed together and <laughs> spat out as a score at the end of it. So it's the sort of thing, and I know um, you would like to talk about ATAR calculators later on, so we'll get into yep. it then, but it's the sort of thing that you kind of... You, you need to know as a student what an ATAR is and what it's for. But other than that, you, your best bet is to actually ignore it because there are so many factors that go into it and you can't control any of them. They're all rankings. It all depends not only on how well you do, but how well everybody else does. Um, and so if you can kind of put it aside and just focus on the things that you can control, you'll end up doing a whole lot better. Definitely. I also think that's a really great life lesson to have. Stop worrying about everyone else. Just focus on you and your path. Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you also mentioned study scores and back obviously in my time, it wasn't that long ago, but there were some subjects that would scale up or there were some sub subjects that would scale down. What does the scaling mean? So what happens then? So what, what they're trying to achieve there is they're saying that some some subjects it's easier like easier or harder to get a higher study score um, and when you first hear about that that sounds really unfair um, and you know there are lots of students who do subjects like um, the humanities and things like that which tend to get scaled down except for except for languages which get scaled up quite a lot um, but what they do is actually quite mathematical the way that they go about it so what they do is they look at the the cohort of students that do a particular subject and then they look at how they do in their other subjects and they use that to kind of um, <laughs> make it all line up so that once the, so once the study score is scaled, the getting a 30 in one subject is the same as getting a 30 in any other subject across gotcha. the board. So that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it even so that students aren't discouraged from doing um, air quote harder subjects like you know specialist maths and languages and things like that definitely definitely and also another misconception is that you'd have to do those harder subjects to get a high ATAR so I'm thinking chemistry physics specialist maths or a language perhaps because those are the subjects that do scale up do I have to do a hard subject to get a high ATAR Absolutely not. Um, and I would really discourage students, if you're thinking of doing it just because it gets scaled up, put it out of your mind. Um, the, the main point that I try to get across when I'm talking to students about subject selection is they should do subjects that they like because firstly, they're more likely to be good at them um, more naturally. And secondly, it's not going to be as difficult for them to actually go and do the study that they need to do. Um, if you're choosing a subject that you already have in your mind that it's going to be really difficult and you're not interested in it and all of that kind of stuff, it's going to be so hard for you to actually go and do the study that you need to do. It'll take away time that you could be spending on your other subjects as well. Um, so it could have that detrimental effect on the other subjects that you've got. And as well with the scaling, it's not linear so it it's not like say for specialist maths it gets scaled up 10 no matter what you get it's different depending on how well you do so 
as you get sort of above 30 as a raw score, it would get scaled up more. So if you do this really hard subject and only end up getting like a 19 for a study score, it's not going to get scaled up to 29. Um, it might get scaled up to, you know, 22 or 23. So in that case, you can see hopefully that you're better off doing a subject that you actually like and getting closer to average or even higher than average because it's something that you really enjoy. Absolutely. And the fact that you mentioned about the different scaling, it depends year on year based on the cohort. So we can't just go off last year's results and say, hey, last year, specialist maths got uh, boosted up 10. I'm going to do it. Well, the year level might be different. Exactly. You're much better off, actually, like you said before, um, you're much better off just focusing on you and doing your best in subjects that you enjoy and not trying to play the system too much. Um, the only the only caveat to that, I would say, is that English does have to be in your top four subjects. So if English is not one of your favourite subjects in year 12, just give it that little bit more love, give it that bit more attention and make sure that you follow up with your teachers and things if you need help with essay writing or anything like that, because it will be used in that, in that top. You don't want to leave it to sort of the bottom. Um, I know that I've had students in the past who unfortunately they've actually got quite a high ATAR because they've done really well in sort of the maths and science and those sort of things, but then haven't got 25 in English. And if you don't get 25 in English, that actually discounts a lot of the um, tertiary courses and, you know, you're not eligible to go into them and you need to go off and, and do a different um, course, maybe a diploma or something to get yourself up to scratch. So except for English, <laughs> make sure that you just choose subjects and focus on things that you actually enjoy. Absolutely. Great piece of advice. And can someone sit their VCE and not receive an ATAR? Is that possible? Um, you, you can only... I think it. in fairness, I've never worked with someone who is in that okay. situation. <laughs> it, it is only if um, you get a very, very low ATAR. Yep. And generally, the people that get those ATARs weren't really interested in getting one. Um, you know, if you think about across the board, we've got lots and lots of students who are in year 12. Um, some students choose to do an unscored VCE and so they won't get one. Um, but there will be students who, you know, don't go down that path of officially saying that they don't want an ATAR, but who aren't interested, know that they are not going to go on to tertiary study and, you know, don't really um, value the academic side of school and have something else that they're going to do afterwards anyway. So um, if you, you know, if you're listening to something like this, you don't need to worry about not getting an ATAR um, because if you're listening here, then you're obviously interested in doing well. Definitely. Now, different unis of the same course have different ATARs. So for example, Bachelor of Commerce at University of Melbourne, it's a 93. At Monash, it's 90. Deakin, 80. Latrobe, 80. And of course, it goes on. Why do different uni courses have different ATARs for the same thing? I know it seems silly, doesn't it? Um, but the basic idea behind it is it's a popularity contest. So um, all of the courses, they would have a particular number of places that they can offer. And so what they do is that that cut off when we talk about something having a different ATAR, it's the lowest selection rank from the previous year um, that's listed on the VTAC website and things like that. So what that means is that's the lowest, um, the lowest selection rank of 
without getting too complicated, it's just the lowest, lowest ATAR. It might yep. have been adjusted with Cs and things like that. But the lowest ATAR um, or the ATAR of the student with the lowest score that got in from the previous year. So if you think about a course having, say, 50 places, if more students are applying, then that lower selection rank is likely to be higher because they've still only got 50 places. Now, with that, um, it's really it's really interesting because I feel like a lot of students look at it and say, well, it must be a better course. Um, you know, if I got if I if this one it's 93 and this one it's only 80, it must be a better course. But that's not always the case. Um, and there are lots of reasons why a course might be more popular. So it could be more popular just because it's in the city as opposed to regional. There's just more students applying there. It could be that it's a better course or it's got a better reputation. It could be that it's a, air quote, more prestigious university. Um, and so, you know, students are applying their, their whatever course they can get into just because they want to say that they went to Monash or Melbourne generally are the ones. Um, yeah, so there, there's lots of reasons why it can happen. But just remember, it's all about popularity. So if you're choosing, you should be looking at actually what, what is in the course? Um, why is it different to the other ones? And why, which one would suit you better? And that confirms what another misconception was, is am I selecting a worse course because the ATA is lower? And definitely not. Exactly. It's, and, you know, there are lots and lots of reasons why different places might suit you better. You might know that you, you know, maybe you've gone to a really small school with small classes and things like that and really enjoyed that. And you might find that one of the ones that does have a lower um, class size and things like that, and, and maybe it's regional or something like that, would actually suit you better than going into one of the really big universities where you can get kind of lost in the process. Um, so yeah, you've just got to choose what's right for you. Of course. And just like you said, what might be right for you is not right for your friend. It's, it's all about you at the end of the day. Absolutely. Now we touched on this earlier, but does a higher ATAR means you should select a higher ATAR course? And I know you actually personally went through this. Um, feel free to touch on your experience, but let's say I get a 70, um, sorry, if I thought I'd get a 70, but I actually got a 90, should I switch my courses and start looking at 90 courses? Uh, no, <laughs> is the short answer. So my my theory is that your results and what you put on your VTAC application should actually be completely separate. So when you're thinking about what you want to do the following year, I advise students not to think about their ATAR at all. Um, forget about it and think about what you actually want to do. So think about what your dream course is, what the sort of problems in the world you want to solve are, who you want to help, how you want to help them, and then start looking at courses and find something that's really interesting to you. Um, and then once you're doing your VTAC application, you can then look at, okay, well, this is my dream course. What other courses are similar? What could I put there that maybe is the same course that a different institution maybe it's a different course but it it kind of gets you to the same place doing the same sorts of things um and so if you do that and have this VTAC application full of courses that are going to get you somewhere that you're really excited about then it doesn't matter what you get at the end of the day and you you know you can um 
you can just get your results and celebrate your results. And if you thought you got 70 and you actually got 90, then you can go out and celebrate um, because all it does is mean that you, if the, if the 70 was going to get you into your dream course, then you're into your dream course most likely. So you can just be excited about it. Exactly. It's worth a celebration, even just finishing year 12. You went through such a, I'd say, high pressure, not only one year, but two years. It's definitely worth celebrating no matter what the number is. Definitely. It's such an achievement. And I feel like people forget that. Um, I feel like the pressure is getting more and more each year. Um, You know, you've got all these people talking about how, you know, it's not the end of the world and and all this sort of stuff, but then we publish things everywhere and celebrate the 99.95s and do all that. So there's all these mixed messages about it. So put that aside and think about the achievement that you have done. You know, you just be proud of what you have achieved and hopefully go on to something that you will really, really love. Absolutely. Now, what if I didn't get into my dream course? Say if my ATA was 50 and my dream course was 70, have I failed the VCE? What are my options? Is my is my life over? <laughs> so again, definitely not. Um, so there's always, always, always a way to get where you want to go. Um, so like I said before, hopefully you've already thought through some of these things and you have a VTAC application that will get you into something very similar. Um, if you haven't done that and you, you know, you get this shock and you, you thought that you were going to get into something and it, now it looks like you won't, that's your next step is to sit there and think about, okay, well, how can I still get to a similar place? Maybe there are different options. So maybe you can even do a similar course that has similar subjects in the first year and you might be able to transfer in. Um, there are lots and lots of different ways that you can either get into your dream course eventually or get into a course that will get you to the same place at the end of it so that you are still in either the same career or a really, really similar career. So please, I know it would be a shock if you're in that scenario and I really feel for students who get to that place. Um, But just remember, there is always another way to get where you want to go. For sure. And again, like you said, there are so many options Absolutely. So, so many. (laughs) Now, what if after school I took a gap year and then I wanted to reapply the following year? Is my ATAR still valid? If you think about why you're doing a gap year, if you know you're going to do it beforehand, you could still apply for courses and then defer if the course allows you to. Not all do, um, but you can find that out usually on their website or you can give give the institution a call just to check. Um, or as you say, you could just leave it and not apply if it's all too much and you just feel like you can't put yourself in that headspace. And then you can still use your ATAR the following year and apply. Okay. Awesome. Now, just a random question. You said it lasts for three years, right? Yes. After those three years, and if I want to apply, am I a mature age student? Yes. Yeah, so, well, mature age student, it's one of those funny terms where different places use it differently. It's not like a strict kind of definition, but it is it is generally what people use. And I find it so funny because it sounds like you would be ancient and, you know, someone can be in their early 20s and be considered mature age. Um, but yes, that's how it works. And there's just, uh, there will be different selection criteria for you to get into into different courses at that point. 
Awesome. See, for everyone listening, there are so many options. Even if you take a three-year long gap year, no dramas. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Now, once I'm at university, um, let's say I've done a semester or perhaps maybe a year and I realize, oh no, I don't like this. I'm out of my depth. I can't stand this course. I thought I wanted to do um, biology, for example, and I'm just not liking it. Can I change? Can I swap? What could I do? Well, um, again, this is a scenario that I've been in. So um, yes, you can absolutely change. So you do need to be a little bit careful because um, there will be specific requirements um, you will need to apply to change. And the best way to do it really is to go and speak to the careers advisors at the institution because they can help you. So for example, with me, um, so I was doing commerce law, I decided I wanted to teach and I wanted to teach maths. So because of that, I needed to do um, some particular subjects within my undergraduate degree to be able to then go on and, and do a a dip ed, which isn't how it works anymore, but it is back in the day, so that I had those subjects in there. So in the same way, if you want to swap into a new course, go and see a course advisor. They'll let you know which subjects do that you might get some extra credit for. So you might even be able to swap into a new subject and not have to start from scratch. You might be able to go in and say you've done a year of a different degree. You might be able to go straight into second year or maybe, you know, maybe you only get a semester of credit. Um, You can do it as long as you keep your marks up. I guess that's the only other thing that is important to note. Um, They want to make sure that people aren't going to bounce around from course to course. So generally there will be, um, you know, an average wham or weighted average mark that you'll need to get across your subjects uh, once you're at university. That's great to know because I know high school students may not know that once they're at university, there's still help that you can get. Yes, at school we have course and careers counsellors, but they do exist at a university level also. Yes, they absolutely do. Um, And they're, you know, those ones as well, they're specific to that institution. So they could help you as well if you wanted to transfer to a different institution. But if you're happy to stay where they are, remember as well, I know this sounds a little bit cynical and I don't mean it to be that way, but universities are businesses as well. They, they need to make money so that they can keep offering courses. So once you're there, they actually want to keep you there. Um, So if you, if there is a course that you would like to do at that same institution, they will help you, as I said, work out what subjects you need to do and how you can make that transition quite simple. Absolutely. Now we're almost at the end of our chat, but I just want to get some tips or advice for students based on all your experience as a teacher and now like a course, like a course and careers advisor, what if a year 12 student still had no idea what they want to do and they had no course idea to put on their preferences? What, where could they start? Right. So firstly, um, for people who are in that situation, firstly, I want you to know that you're not alone. Um, unfortunately, the people that do know what they want to do are quite vocal about it. And the people that don't know what they want to do are very quiet about it. So sometimes it can feel like you're the only one that doesn't know. And you're absolutely not. I see so many students come in going, I just don't know, help me. Um, So please feel okay about it to start with. The second thing is I think stop putting so much pressure on yourself by going 
all the way ahead to what career you want to do. It is really difficult when you're a high school student and even as an adult, you don't have a lot of experience in different areas. And so there's so many opportunities out there and it's really difficult for you to know what's available. So if you take it a step back and go, well, what do you want to do just next year? Just think one step at a time. And I also like to take it back to to something that you definitely know. So think about your subjects. What is your favourite subject? And why is it your favourite subject? What is it that you actually like about it? Um, Because if you can start there, you can start looking at courses that are either related to that subject or related to the sorts of skills that you use in that subject that you really like. Um, Another thing you can do is you could talk to any uni students that you know about what they're doing um, and what actually happens in their classes so you get a better idea of what's actually out there. You can also, I'm sure that you would have other people giving you advice. Um, I know I certainly did back in the day when I had no idea. And what I would recommend is that you listen to what they're saying but also take it with a grain of salt. So remember that a lot of the people that are talking to you about different courses they're probably, particularly if it's your parents, they're probably quite concerned and, you know, just want you to end up in something um, that's financially stable and, you know, that will make you happy, but they might not know what that is. So when they're offering you advice, ask them why. If they're suggesting a particular course, say, well, why do you think that would be good for me? Because even if it's not the right courses that they're suggesting, if they're suggesting something that you think you'll hate, the reasoning behind it might give you an idea of something else that actually might be really good for you. Um, So hopefully those things give you some idea of where you can get started. Absolutely great advice. And what about tips for people that know the course that they want to do, but not sure which university to choose? So in that case, uh, what I would suggest is try and work out which institution has a good reputation for the particular course you're doing. So like I said before, there are some unis and, you know, Melbourne and Monash are the ones that come to mind that have that prestige around them. But if you look at a particular area, generally there will be a particular institution that has a really good reputation for that particular area. So if you know what course you would like to do, that's a good place to start. I also suggest that you think about being practical and the location. Um, So I know, for example, I grew up in the Northwest and so I didn't even look at Monash because it was in my head, it was just so far away. It was across the city and I would never have driven there every day. Like I wouldn't have made it to class. So, and that might, you know, if you're far away from a particular place, that's not necessarily true. I just knew that that was true for me. So think about um, the location and make sure that it's actually somewhere that you will travel to. What I suggest to people as well is to go to open days and get a good feel for the campus. Hopefully open days happen this year. It was a bit tricky for those um, who were finishing last year, but go actually go and have a feel for it. I know that I went to different places at the time and I like, I loved Latrobe, for example, I thought it was beautiful. Um, So, you know, have a look at different places and see what works for you. And you can also talk to the representatives there and tell them, you know, I want to do an engineering degree. Why should I come here? You can ask them that because they'll be able to tell you what is specifically really great about their course, the course that they offer. 
And that way you find out, um, you know, what they value and what they can offer as opposed to the different places. And then you can make a choice about which one is the best fit for you. The last thing I want to say, um, there are comparison sites as well. And one really good one um, is called Compare Ed. And that uses data from current and past students to show information um, about the course and what students like about it, but also where the graduates end up um, and what sort of um, uh, salary range they end up in and all that kind of thing. So you can look there as well and just get an indication of how students have found the course once they get into it. That's fantastic. I actually haven't heard of Compare Ed and knew that when I was in year 11 and year 12, that would have been a huge help. It's it's really good. And it is something that I feel like lots of students haven't heard of. And I like that one in particular because they do have, um, again, going to a maths brain, they do have quite a lot of data. Um, and so it's not just, you know, the, the students who talk the loudest who are giving their um, response. And so it, it's quite good data that they've got. Um, but yeah, I can give you the link for that if you like, so that you can put it in the show notes. Yes, and, please. Um, students can access it. Absolutely. And lastly, any tips to stay off ATAR calculator during the year? Because I know when I was in year 12, every time I'd say do a sack or even closer to the end of the year when we were doing exams, I'd go and enter in, oh no, I don't think I did so well and enter in a different number. How can I stay off that? It's, it's very, very tricky and I can understand um, the, the pull towards them. All I can say, though, is that they're useless. Um, so, and the reason I say that is because, as you said, when, when you go into it, you are making a guess for your study score for all of your subjects. And so when you're doing that, you, as I said, it's a complete guess and you have no idea what you're actually going to get. So what I suggest you do is really think about if you're, if you're feeling like you want to go and play on one, firstly, it doesn't hurt to do it for five minutes. It's the problem is if you're going to do it for an hour, um, but also think about why you're doing it. So if you're doing it just because you're procrastinating, then I suggest put the computer away, go for a walk, go do something else and clear your head and then come back with a clear plan of how you're going to get your study done. If it's because you're worried about whether you're going to get the ATAR you need to get into your dream course, that's when you need to start looking at what other options are available, like I've talked about before, so that you know that you can get there, even if you don't get the ATAR that you that you will need to get into that dream course. Um, yeah, if you can just think about why you're doing it, that might help you kind of get some perspective and do something a bit different. Definitely. And now I always ask each of my guests this when they come on, but what is the one thing that you wish you knew back when you were in year 11 and year 12? And this can relate to absolutely anything. Yeah. So for me, I think that I wish I knew that I could actually trust myself to work it all out. Um, I know, like, as I've sort of suggested throughout this, like I had no idea what I wanted to do by the end of year 12 and I kind of expected or wanted other people to tell me what to do and they just can't you know they can give suggestions uh, and things like that but you are the person that has to actually go through with it and and make a choice about what you want to do and I think that if I had have recognized that if I sort of just sat with myself and thought about it and you know didn't get caught up in the stress and things around it I would have actually worked out what I wanted to do. I would have, you know, thought it through. And like I said before, maths was my favorite subject. So I would have been able to, to think that through. 
looked more at science degrees, realized that I could major in maths in a science degree and all of those sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, so that would be that would be the one thing that I wish I knew that I could just that I could trust myself and give myself permission to make that choice myself. Awesome. Such wise words. If any student or parent wants to find you, reach out to you, if they've got any more questions, where can they find you? Um, So Instagram is a really good place to find me. So I'm at roadmap underscore ed. Um, I'm also on Facebook and my website is www.roadmapeducation.com. Any of those places though, like I said, Instagram, send me a DM and I can point you in the direction of some information that might help you. Thank you so much, Kim. This chat has been so valuable and I know the students will, by listening, get so much out of it. Thank you again. No worries at all. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. Bye. If you like this episode or have any more questions, head over to our Instagram at the.studentspace. Now there is a full stop between the and student. And just remember this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not provide any personal advice. Thank you for all your support, everyone. See you later.